Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by Andrew Pollard today to discuss everything that went down on last night's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We review NXT, Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Rampage, pay-per-views. We conduct wrestler interviews. We hold roundtable discussions and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Pollard, before we delve into the guts of NXT, which we now call NXT 2.0 in tribute to um, Tony D'Angelo, uh, what's your broad, succinct take on this broadcast? Uh, this particular one, by I guess by 2.0, I, I can't do it as much because my throat's knackered, so I, I'm not going to yeah. attempt to really strain. I think by 2.0 st- standards, it wasn't actually that bad, but that is a low bar. Um, it was... Before we start recording, you said it's kind of perversely entertaining. And I think that's maybe the, the best way to surmise this particular episode. There was good, there was bad, there is average, and there is day glow. Lots of day yes. glow. It is. There's so much day glow that it kind of undermines the whole purpose of what professional wrestling is. We'll get into it specifically in terms of a certain match, but I just can't take seriously the very notion of violence happening when I'm when I'm looking at what looks more like my kid's bedroom than a frigging professional wrestling arena, but we'll get into it um, in due course. Uh, the show kicks off with Tommaso Ciampa um, cutting a promo in which he knows that Bron Break is coming after him following the events of War Games. And uh, he decides to sort of get into his head as the WWE nomenclature is these days and tells him that um, he's no Sami Zayn, he's no Samoa Joe, he's no Shinsuke Nakamura, he's no Finn Balor or a Tommaso Ciampa. Only took Breaker one mistake to lose because he's such a rookie and he knows that he's coming from a New Year's Evil nonetheless. Um, and Ciampa at this point is a quite phenomenal um, visual feast of the Steiner household where Ron Breaker thinks that he's going to take on the title and all of the family are just going to bark in celebration. And what I loved about this line is that it's, I don't think he realized how he captured the actual reality of the Steiner household. I assume that they bark when like the delivery driver arrives with their food. I just think they start barking like, yes, the food's here and just start doing all the Steiner barks. So that was great. And um, Ron Breaker summoned um, throughout this uh, Tommaso Ciampa says, look, I know what you're going to say, blah, 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 blah. I'm already one step ahead of you. Uh, Bron Breaker then hoists Ciampa on his shoulders, threatens to do a uh, gorilla press slam. 
but gently puts him back on his feet as if to say, I can toy with you whenever I like. He closes this uh, opening promo duel by saying, I'm a shark and I'm going to eat you, or something to that effect, which actually pays off one of the worst lines I've ever heard on NXT 2.0, which is, I will drown you in an ocean of inexperience. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, oceans tend to be very old and ancient. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, ancient, so I don't know why they're inexperienced, but metaphors got tied together, a match for New Year's Evil was built and set. Uh, what were your thoughts on it all? Um, I, I thought it was notable that Johnny Gargano was not mentioned in the uh, the, the previous NXT champions. Yes. That was that kind of jumped out to me, and and also it was a champer who obviously it's part of the the purported mind games that they like to throw out for these sort of segments. But it did seem a little bit more of his um, clasping onto gold these days when he was uh, embracing embracing the hate, as, as you should say, I guess, back when he was a heel yes. with Johnny Gargano. It wasn't full on heel, but it maybe was just for this segment or for this. A particular program until we get to New Year's Evil, but it was fine. Um, I, I love the image of just a, a household of Steiners howling at the moon or howling at the delivery door or whatever goes on. Or somebody, if they're watching football and their team gets a, tr- a, a try, a touchdown, a, a touchdown, try. it's like, yeah, a try or whatever. <laughs> Anything they like, it's just like, oh, 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 oh. And they do like the little uh, strut jog thing as well that Ricky used to do, yes. possibly with the, the headgear on. I don't know. That's. I'm all for that visual if it doesn't exist. Um, it was fine for what it needed to be. It was it was Champa trying to go, no pun intended, but as like the big dog who I've been here before. You uh, you haven't got the experience for this. You've you I, I you slipped up last time. I, I had your number. I'll have it again. And just Bron Breaker with the most awful name in professional wrestling, not even blinking and batting an eyelid and just picking them up. And like you said, just like. I could do this whenever I want, really. Um, you just you look after your title. And then he did do a little bark when he was outside the ring. Of course he did. Yes. It's always uh, always magnificent. Mm. I'm ready for this match. I feel like they've hit every single story they can. But this is the rule-proving exception to NXT 2.0's quite perversely entertaining gloriousness in that it's actually earnestly quite good, quite productive. But yeah, I'm kind of ready for the match at this point. Though Champa did pop me. Low-key boy popper is uh, Tommaso Champa. Uh, following that opening exchange, uh, we cut backstage. Grayson Waller uh, claims that he has no respect towards AJ Styles. Um, he's hanging on just like Johnny Gargano. Did you know that? I beat him out of NXT. Uh, it's been all over this program. Um, he doesn't also like AJ Styles' haircut. Says it looks like his mom's. We <laughs> um, then immediately in media res go to Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai with their street fight backstage. Uh, there's some decent plunder stuff here, quite inventive, um, in which poor Dakota Kai's knees, I mean, she essentially gets kneecapped with a shopping trolley, yeah. um, allowing Gonzalez the advantage. Um, Kai snatches it back, sets up a table, um, dithers. Um, God, Keir Starmer's in my head with the word dithers. It's just become part of my general vocabulary um, in his... Um, Various criticisms of Boris Johnson, which are richly deserved, but we will not elaborate. Um, so they go into the parking lot, um, which somehow doesn't feel as dangerous as it usually does. And then we cut to commercial, after which uh, we go finally to the ring and the bell is rung. And the general story is that Kai is crafty and more athletic and more slippery. And yet Gonzalez is such an absolute beast that she counters the various counter attempts with her um, plunder assisted power based offense. Um, like Dakota Kai takes an absolute beating in this match. Yeah. Her back gets mangled. It's kind of gnarly. It's kind of awesome. I don't think the match was particularly special. Um, I don't think it's possible really to do a special match in this context, but I digress. Um, 
Gonzalez wins the match with a powerbomb on a trash can. Um, six minutes in the ring, but obviously it went on longer uh, before that. The feud's over. The babyface wins. This is how pro wrestling operates. And I expect this is going to be the end of Dakota Kai in NXT 2.0. Uh, what are your thoughts on the match itself? Um, pretty much nailed it there for me. I think that this very much is the end of Dakota Kai in NXT. But I've been thinking that for a, like the best part of a year, it feels like now. And especially <laughs> when she was doing those the dark matches or the uh, main event matches. And they were having to work as a kind of uh, spunky baby face fighting from underneath. Whilst on NXT, she's this, this underhand villain. It's like, just... You're undermining your own product, but that is an argument for another day. Uh, yeah, I thought the match was fine for what it needed to be. It was, it was, they like said, there's not too much they could do to make this stand out, I don't think, especially in the confines of NXT and especially the, the standard weekly broadcast. But it was a little bit different in that they started the match backstage, even though it didn't officially start, but that was something relatively, I don't know if innovative is the word, there's something a bit different to the norm. And, and like you said, Dakota Kai just takes such a brute because she's so undersized she just it looks so um so more damaging when she's taking punishment and it probably is to her but yeah she got uh ruined backstage and, and i think we all knew that raquel was getting the win and and maybe uh eventually getting that rematch with mandy rose which she gets but with a caveat yeah absolutely i mean this was it, it, it remarkably strong start to an NXT 2.0 broadcast. But don't worry, do not worry. Um, it gets exponentially worse from round about now. Um, quick inset promo with, um, oh, sorry, backstage promo with Tony D'Angelo. We have to do the voice. Will Bourne has told me uh, to keep doing it in his absence over the holiday break. I hope he has a great time. Um, we cut back to the ring. I hate this format. Yeah, where the wrestlers are there because I'm pedantic by nature and I like to think of this as like a broadcast as opposed to a show and it's impossible to do that when you know someone's just waiting in the ring for no reason just enjoying the show on the Tron as we are on the screen and then she does her performance it just pisses me off I don't know why they do it. It's a tiny low-key thing that the 62-year-olds who watch the show generally probably don't care about but I goddamn do. Uh, she calls out um, Mandy Rose uh, but Cora Jade comes out instead. Um, Cora Jade cuts a kind of a timid promo that I generously would describe as works uh, for her character and uh, the arc that she's on and the um, relative TV inexperience. She's quite likable as Cora Jade. Hmm. And I think she's um, she can get away with not being the most fluid performer. It just kind of works, um, even though this wasn't strictly uh, very good, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, Mandy Rose pops up on the screen about two seconds after her tits, which are, of course are the main toxic attraction, if you like. This was gratuitous, even by NXT 2.0 standards. And in a bizarre um, departure from the norm, it's Mandy Rose who puts forward the offer of a triple threat match, which the heel mm. is usually terrified by, as we know, the mathematics involved in um, defending one's title in a triple threat match. Uh, so that's um, scheduled for New Year's Evil. And she um, says, I will see you on that date. But for now, enjoy your beating. Um, the other members of the Toxic Attraction come out. They lay out Gonzalez and Jade. And Gonzalez is ultimately sent through a table to mark an end to that segment. 
And I, I thought that looked uh, talking of brutal about the, the brutality uh, unleashed on Dakota Kai earlier. I thought the table spot looked great. I thought Ra- Raquel went through that hard. It, it looked like, yes. um, yeah, it looked like it sucked, but it, it made it all, all the more impactful, especially because it was the, again, two undersized people attacking it because Raquel Gonzalez is a beast. Um, and it is, it's a bit odd to see that the champion throw out a triple threat. It just... I don't know, you're decreasing your own odds of retaining your title, which doesn't quite make sense. But as you said, maybe this is from here on out, the the show kind of goes off a cliff a little bit. And and yeah, it didn't make sense. I mean, the the promo Mandy Rose is fine. I think she's got so much better on the mic. She's got so much better in the ring as as an all-round performer, to be fair to her, um, since that Sonya Deville feud really kicked into gear. Um, and I'm sure the match will be good. And Cora Jade, like you said, there's something there's something likable with her because you give you can give her a bit more leeway because you know how young she is. Uh, there's that video that was doing the rounds again recently of her in tears as a kid meeting CM Punk and her, yeah, and her dad like having that. a really good chat going. I'm so glad you, she's got role models like you and, and Punk genuinely appreciating that. So she's she's you're on her side. You wanted to do well, and if she flubs things here and there, it's all right. She'll get better. And like you said, it fits in with the character, the narrative of the character at the moment. Of I thought Raquel Gonzalez as well impressed me on the mic with, with her back and forth with Cora Jade. I've never really had her down as a great talker. I'm not saying she's a great talker, but I just thought there's a confidence there in her where just to compare it to where she was when she arrived in NXT, she's it's night and day. And, and I thought her is the, okay, you're my friend, but the title's more important. And if need be, I'll, I'll give you a whooping. I, I thought that all came across quite well. Yeah, absolutely. Again, remarkably competent by yes. NXT 2.0 standards. Because I thought uh, Raquel Gonzalez kind of struggled uh, when she held the title. Maybe she's happy to be relieved of that pressure, or maybe she's just desperate for another go-around. But yeah, I'd be more impressed um, with her of late than I was, frankly, when she was holding that title. Uh, we go backstage to Joe Gacy and Haaland, um, and they want to apologise for um, throwing Brian Kendrick down the stairs last week. Uh, but they can't really do that because um, uh, Kendrick triggered Haaland by calling him a freak. Oh, I'm triggered. I, I hate this. I absolutely yeah. hate it. It's through the filter of Bruce Pritchard, who's got a certain political disposition, which I personally don't like. But then again, you know what? Maybe I'm a hypocrite because I enjoyed CM Punk wearing that particular uh, T-shirt on Dynamite last week. Um, so, yeah, maybe, you know what? God damn it, I am a hypocrite. But we know at least Punk's being a babyface and a divisive one. This is yeah. just really manipulative bollocks. And you know what? They're not getting any engagement from it and they don't deserve any of it either um we go again uh to another pre-taped segment uh, with the grizzled young veterans claim they aren't scared of the creed brothers no matter how many um threats they offer it's very generic uh verbiage i will move swiftly on we go to another backstage area in which persia parotta tells indy hartwell that their match has been cancelled uh grayson waller comes in to mock them he says you know we're all australians um so we should band together and this obviously upsets um, Indy Hartwell, who was um, in the way with Johnny Gargano, and um, she and Persia Parata has to hold her back. And um, I don't really think she would have done anything because her um, acting wasn't particularly great here, which is no. a shame because I quite like Indy Hartwell. Um, we then finally get the Creed Brothers versus Grizzle Young Veterans match. And God damn it, I'm just not going to recap this because that task was rendered virtually impossible by the fact that the camera was absolutely everywhere for this gloopy mess of a match come segment um, in which Jack and Time were providing commentary duties, which I really, in a way that I didn't find on at all, it was clearly like a gag. 
which I didn't just find, I just found it quite reprehensible, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, the match itself is like an afterthought. They're trying to tie together all the um, tag teams underneath MSK and Imperium. I genuinely have no recollection of any of the moves. I saw some competently performed moves happen when the camera was actually focusing on them. Yep. And um, it's just a bit of a kind of mess. And it takes 10 minutes to arrive at a no contest. Um, there are two guys, we do a running gag pollard on this podcast usually, where I never remember. Briggs and Jensen, is it? Oh, um, yeah. Bo, Bo Jensen and the the other semi-cowboy redneck guy. Yeah. They get, the involved. they get involved. They add to the schmoz. As I said, it finishes at about 10 minutes. And uh, well, can you do a better job of than me of explaining all this because I just thought it was really inelegant schmoz TV. I, I'd agree. It was it was um, totally forgettable. It was totally unnecessary. It was totally over the top. Even like you talk about the camera work, the way they, because um, obviously they had jacket time at the announce desk. So the, the way they, whenever they cut to the announce desk, it was like a skewed angle to make, to elongate the shot so you could see the other announce table. Um, and the, the, the sad thing is the, the, the guys in the ring were yes. the two very competent teams. I, I love some grizzled young veteran. The Cree brothers have massively impressed me because I'm a sucker for that shooter style. Um, and I think they've got a huge upside. And it's it's still baffling that the Grizzly Young Vets haven't won the NXT tag titles at some point, and it doesn't seem like it's on the horizon anytime soon. And they've almost been, re- I don't know, relegated to, they feel a bit like Harry and Marv from Home Alone. That's sort of like the, yes. the cheeky villains who are just like, oh, trying to get one up, just basically trying to make kids or whatever, or, or Nick Sweets. And it's it's a waste of talent, um, especially Zach Gibson who could be a, a, a singles breakout star. But yeah, this was just all forgettable. And this was a waste of time. It was a waste of talent. It does nothing to make me more interested in seeing any of these teams again next week or the week after. Um, and I think you've, you've hit that on the head where it's just, it's filler to keep the teams doing something while MSK and Imperium get set to do their stuff. And obviously to get to that, you have to do like seven weeks of shaman bullshit first with MSK. Yes. I mean, it was just pretty appalling segment mm. of television. And like we bemoan the fate of Grizzled Young Veterans on this podcast because what they're doing, obviously, is they expect the wrestling, oh, sorry, the sports entertainment viewer to find traditional tag team psychology boring. So their attempts to do it, like as an analogy with Uber driver thefts and all the rest of it, it's an attempt yeah. to make it cartoonish, which in a weird way is not unlike how the WWF, that is obviously beloved to you and myself, used to do things back in the day, but it's such a, a charmless retread of like an ancient, unrecoverable um, sports entertainment magic. This is a uh, magic is not the word I would use to describe this whatsoever. A um, couple of other backstage segments. Um, Dexter Loomis terrifies Trick Williams. Um, Eel Shrine and Zoe Stark are, you know, still mates and Starks are selling a knee. Um, and then we get the match itself between Trick Williams and Dexter Loomis. And the central story, I guess, is that Trick Williams, with a pretty damn good expressive face, is in fact scared of Dexter Loomis, who is um, a serial killer who's also a fairly average and mechanical uh, 50-50 wrestler. So I don't know realistically what's too scary about him. Um there's some halfway decent action, I guess, in the match, but that's probably a generous assessment. I don't want the mood to be lowered, basically, I think is where I'm going with this. Um, Lewis hits the one spot that he can hit well, where he kip-ups into the jumping leg drop. Um, Trick Williams tries to 
cheat with his shoe. It fails, and Loomis um, wins at about the six-minute mark, uh, which I presume is going to set him on course <clears throat> for the uh, North American title of Carmelo Hayes after he presumably integrates it with the uh, Cruiserweight title, which is not long for this world. All of that's for a preview um, podcast in the future. What did you think of this match? Uh, it was it was functional, I guess, is the best thing I can say about it. It, it did its job. Um, nice, nice euphemism from you, Paul. Yeah, it, it's it was there. Um, I, I think that Trick does have great facials. Um, he expressed himself well. I, I, it was veering on, I don't know, the wrong side of camp for me, but I think it just about worked when he was when he was passing out, holding the shoe, and it was just slowly dropping from his grip. And it's like, it's just about the right side of cheese for, for my taste, I think. Uh, but it could easily be overdone. And the, the Loomis character, there's only, I think this character's reached its ceiling a long time ago. There's only so much you can do with that character being all plodded and methodical and the, the slowing everything down. It's like, he's just been like studying Randy Orton matches for decades. When we know that anybody that's seen Sam Shaw when he was an impact, the dude can move around. He's got some, some, uh, some nice high flying offense in his arsenal. I'm not saying he needs to do that all the time, but it's just it feels like a waste of the the wrestler just because he's he's I guess WE class him as as this good performer for this spooky character role that he's been lumbered with. Um and, and we I guess we'll see where this goes from here. But I, I think I well, agree with you that clearly Loomis on a on a on a path to Carmelo Hayes. Just Carmelo's got that that uh, that really strong road bump to get over first, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I just think this is yet another thing on NXT 2.0 that I'll completely forget about by the time I go Mm. to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow morning. Um, Again, the central thread of the show, as it was last week, is Grayson Waller just thinking he's the absolute boy. He comes down, he tries to um, attack Loomis with a chair, which is another direction. They're always setting things up and usually get paid off. But this is a very, very generous curve against which uh, we rate this show. And yet again, this format, we get another video on Pete Dunne and Grayson, while I'm still there, he's presumably just watching, like, what do they do in this ring? And why can't I stop thinking about what we're doing in this ring? It just really, really pisses me off. Um, So Grayson Waller does cut the promo that was emptied on social media um, throughout the day yesterday. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And he's, uh, he's not going to suck up um, when he eventually one day enters the WWE Hall of Fame. He's simply going to say that you are welcome. This summons AJ Styles. He's not really impressed. He's heard on the grapevine the various things that Waller's done to try and build his brand and all the rest of it. Um, but he doesn't really think too much of him. And a really great note, I thought, on this promo. Um, AJ Styles did two things um, at once. He built the conflict with Grace and Waller, while at the same time putting over the brand itself. And usually it can be a little bit obligatory, like the kind of thing you have to do in a wrestling promo, but it was really quite seamless here. He says, yeah, I get some of the hype around um, the uh, new NXT 2.0 stars, like Bron Breaker, yes, absolutely. Tony D'Angelo, yes, I can see that. Um, Carmelo Hayes, I believe as well, he also yeah. shouted out. Um, but I don't really see it um, with Grace and Waller. He reckons the jury's still out on him. Um, and he'd rather look good than actually be a professional wrestler. Um, AJ Styles says he'd been good for about three weeks, try being phenomenal for um, 22 years or however long it was. Uh, Waller, at this point, teases being hot at this insult, but he just walks away instead and says, I'll wait for Omos to soften you up, and then we'll do something after that. Genuinely, without being this like an electrifying promo segment, it's not like they're not riffing off the cuff, they're competent talkers, but they're not amazing. I generally think between the balance of why NXT, uh, Styles was in, X, in NXT, uh, that this is really quite competent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love how that's like the, the big compliment is it was competent. Yes. Yeah, it was competent. It wasn't horrendous. They didn't massively mess anything up and it came across as like not totally robotic. Uh, no, I, I agree. Um, it's It was good to see that. The, obviously, there's only, what, 300 people in attendance, whatever it is these days. But it was good to see that, that positive crowd reaction for AJ Styles. Uh, I think if... I don't know if you like me, I've been clamoring for the last maybe three, four, five months of like, just give me that main event singles, baby face AJ Styles. Just one more time, maybe yeah. for SummerSlam, but that's getting ahead of myself. Um, so it was, I, I thought AJ put over Waller really well verbally. Like you said, he he, he put over the, the bigger talents, well, not the bigger talents, but Bram Breaker, who is the bigger talent. And then nicely name dropping Tony and, and dropping in Carmelo and giving Hayes of that like, yeah, you've been good, but you're not as good as the rest of the guys yet. You've you've got potential. That that's it. I don't know if you'll make it as a superstar. And Grayson Wall is just this. He's he's really growing on me in like a total prickish way. He's when the first few times I saw him, it was like because he came from nowhere as part of the the 2.0 rebrand. He was on the first show, and it's like right, this is generic heel number four. Come on down. It's your turn to introduce yourself to the, the audience. Um, and he's he's really grown on me. There's I'm I'm not comparing him in any way or any major way but there are elements of what make mjf work really well in him only there's just the seeds there i'm not saying he's on that level because nobody is um but yeah there's there's he's clearly a talented boy in the ring he's he's looked very decent um in in the bits i've seen and he's just he riles people up in a way where you see people bitching online on twitter about they want to turn off but they carry on watching in that good way where it's like I hate the term X-Pac heat, but it's like, it, it, that's the presumption, but it isn't because people stick around because they want to see him get his comeuppance. And he doesn't, he hasn't got it. It's rare that he's got it so far. And when he does, it's going to be all the more better, whether that's AJ Styles, whether that's a return in LA night, whether that's some A and other. Uh, and it also, you get the seeds out of like, well, say this, there's reports this morning of, of WWE wanting to, they've rushed this Omos and AJ breakup because they want both of those guys free for the Rumble and for Mania. 
And yeah, okay, we can look and dream book maybe AJ versus Edge at Mania, but the Rumble, maybe this is some seed there of Grayson Waller's a surprise entrant and he does a little something with AJ Styles in it. And again, that's another seed for something further down the line. Or maybe, maybe WWE, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they hotshot Grayson Waller to the main roster because that's the kind of thing they tend to do at times. But no, it was it was a very competent segment, which was one of the highlights of this episode of NXT 2.0. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. You said something there. And I just want listeners to hear it from somebody else other than me and Hamlet. You said you hate the term X-Pac heat. Can, oh, right. can you explain to the listeners why this is the case? Yeah, it's well, well, it's unfair on Sean Walton as a performer because the guy is a revolutionary who, uh, that when I think of people that, blow my, yeah, when people, I, I think of certain talents that blow my mind. Dante Martin is a guy right now. Um, where I see him and I, it reminds me of the first time I saw, I'm getting goosebumps here, of Sean Moulton when I saw the one, two, three kid. The first time I saw Jushin Thunder Liger when he turned up in WWE in, what, 92. Um, those talents where it's like they're doing stuff that I've not only never seen, but stuff that I didn't really think like would even be plausible or possible to do. I mean, in hindsight now, okay, Waltman doing a, a moonsault off the top rope isn't that revolutionary, but at the time it was. And so Sean Watman is a performer I, I've got all the respect in the world for. Um, I love the fact that the path that his life is on in the last, what, three, four, five years, where he's in a clearly better place. So the X-Park Heat is just an insult to a, a very, very talented guy who should be a Hall of Fame in his own right, especially in WWE, because, you know, that's that's where his boys are. But yeah, there's um, Waltman's talented in everything he does. As X-Pac, forget the X-Pac heat. As X-Pac, he was at times one of the most entertaining people to watch. Just in his mannerisms, the way he carries himself like a little rock star because he was a little rock star, clearly living the life on the road as well, uh, the rock star lifestyle. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. It's I, I, I never quite got it. And I, I think it's a myth, the X-Pac heat, because... Okay, yeah, there were boos, but there was there was loud boos when he was a heel. It wasn't, and the, again, the people who were watching because this Xbox heat is supposed to this go away heat where people were like, "Oh my god, that's it! Watman's on my TV. Off it goes. I'm going to change the channel, brother." No, you didn't. You carried on watching because he'd make whatever he's in work, whether it was in the ring, whether it was a promo, whether it was uh, a promo battle with somebody, whether it was a match. It always worked with Sean Watman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how much I can swear on these uh, on these pods, but yeah, screw those no guys. More. No more, no more. <laughs> I'll be okay for crude right. uh, Basically, the sh word, the F word, C word. Right. No, no. You can say like tits. I'll say tits all the time. Right. Tits those uh, guys then. Tits those haters. Tits those guys. That replaces tits. the F. What annoys me about the term X-Pac as well is that at worst, at least in um, the WWF at the time, he probably had one bad year when mm. DX and the vestiges of DX kind of went from, oh, this is cool, to, oh, this is powerfully lame because yeah. uh, Jericho, Angle, et al. are just cooler, better mid-carders. Why can't it be Dolph Ziggler heat if the idea is people are bored of one person staying in one role for a long time? Why can't it be Baron Corbin heat? Because he genuinely, for me, is not effective. The fact that it's prevailed, I just cannot stand it. Uh, one, two, three, kid. I hate the fact that he's still referred to as x pac it should just be called the one, two, three kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, uh, that. that's on him. Yeah, I, I th yeah, I did see that he, he did do some indies as the one, two, three, which is kind of cool when he shaved off his beard. It's like, oh my god, that it looks just like non-bearded Sean Mottman because it was. Um, yeah, Ziggler heat's a fun one. Corbin, I guess at least he tried to reinvent himself, or they've reinvented him in various ways, from the uh, the yeah. king to the the the, the waiter to uh, well, the waiter to the king to the happy Corbin, which is. Grinds my piss. Um, 
But yeah, the, the Waltman stuff, it's like, no, don't hate him. I, I, I do agree, though, that that whole like lingering on when it was instead of the Outlaws, you had like it was Road Dog and Xbox teaming up for, for bits. So Triple H was off doing Triple H things, uh, as I am the gamer um, with Stephanie. And it's just like, okay, this is a proper shell of DX. It isn't really DX, just wearing the colors and you're floating around doing not much. Billy Gunn's out injured. China's off doing whatever she's doing. Um, yeah, so maybe that last bit, but yeah, n- n- never any shade for Sean Waltman from my direction. Absolutely. Um, we move on to uh, the next um, episode of the saga, the Odyssey or whatever the f- they are calling it, um, with Riddle is the shaman for awful. MSK. Awful. It's awful. This is stoner comedy, which is itself terrible, without any actual gag. So what happens here is that this is another one of my least favorite WWE things is that the um, younger generation, I don't know, Matt Riddle's like 36 or whatever. He's younger than freaking Randy Orton. Um, he gifts MSK Randy Orton merchandise. And when I was growing up watching wrestling, I didn't watch um, Stone Cold Steve Austin mark out over getting Hulk Hogan merchandise because he was a star who wasn't sort of punished by this monolithic empire but msk are in fact that so they were marking out for randy orton hats they go around on scooters they have the best day ever and they get run over by a car and then they <laughs> think oh my god we are so high that we are thinking about getting run over by cars we can no longer smoke the weed that we smoke and isn't that cool because we're getting run over by cars it turns out they didn't they must have just been in some kind of marijuana induced daydream or whatever this bollocks was and uh it turns out, uh, yeah, it was a dream. Riddle's back with more scooters and the thing just loops again. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on this? I'm it, rapidly getting bored. It reminded me of a, an attempt at making a humorous version of there's a movie called uh, Triangle with Melissa George, which is a, a psychological horror film where she ends up on this boat and she's stalked by this person in like a parka with, with a mask covered. And this is this killer goes around killing all her friends. And every time she escapes, she ends up back in this loop on this boat and the killer's there and and it was just, I got that vibe, but that's a really good, like, psychological horror. Um, uh, this was just absolute trash. And it's not the fact of, yeah, it's stoner comedy's bad. Stoner comedy from WWE is awful. And the worst part about it is just how long this has dragged on. They, yes. You've got this you've got this team who they've been on a trajectory with Imperium for uh, to get the titles back for nearly two months now. And this has been dragged on like painfully long, like just having your dick dragged through broken glass on like a weekly basis just to, I, I don't, it just, oh, it's, and I, I like MSK as a team, but I did. This is the sort of thing where it puts you off in because like, the more you see these characters, the more it doesn't work for me. I just, I like to see them high energy in the ring, it, making me reminisce a little bit of like again the first time I saw the Rockers and it's like holy shit this these holy fudge these are uh, these guys are doing stuff that is oh they've cancelled me I know that's it we, we're done let's it's a, it's a wrap now um, Paul Cleary if he has to edit this uh, it, it'll just get thrown out I'm sure um, yeah it's like all the excitement I had of watching MSK in the ring is being just dissipated now because of all of this drawn out seven weeks i I don't know if it's seven weeks or eight weeks we're on either way this if you were going to drag this sort of um bs out it's the sort of thing you can maybe get two weeks out of at a push but no not to degree it's they're they're hammering this home until you're sick of it Uh, the only good thing to come out of it was the the i I guess uh, alluding that walter is on his way that was the one saving grace of this whole segment of this whole seven or eight weeks is that the big lad is, is is coming. I'm a huge Walter Mark 
Walt is the kind of guy, when I know that AEW has signed too many people of late, and I know that not everyone in that promotion can be a world champion. I, I love Walter so much that if he would ever go to AEW, I would strap him up immediately. Like, that's how yeah. much I love Walter. And given how irritated I've been by the terrible stoner comedy acting of MSK, watching Walter chop them to hell, this isn't what they want you to think, but I will still think it's awesome. Um, so I am looking forward to that um, six man, which should be absolutely incredible. Um, what followed was not incredible. What followed was baffling. And um, what followed was Von Wagner versus um, Idris Anofi. And um, the story of the match, which goes about a minute, is that Wagner is absolutely dominant. And then he simply gets um, felled by a sunset flip within about a minute. And post-match, that is completely erased, the victory or any gravity that I might have because Wagner just kills him. And um, Robert Stone is uh, watching on it with interest at Von Wagner. Uh, this is a load of bollocks, was it not? Yeah, absolutely. It just, it makes, it, clearly they, they uh, just, you look at the guy and Von Wagner, it takes a load of boxes for WWE and they've clearly got big things in mind for him. He, he appeared on SmackDown a few weeks ago as, as a body, an unnamed bodyguard for Adam Pearce. Like just at least, at least like name him. Like that, that just always, again, grinds my gears is that you'll be advertising NXT on like on Raw because it's on the same network. But then if you watch NXT, when the NXT people get called up to Raw, it's all erased. Like we, they've got new names that forget what they've done before. Oh, they were a baby face. Now they're a heel, vice versa. Um, yeah, Von Wagner, they've clearly got big things in mind for him. But to have him lose in this way, even though he dominated, just made him look like a chump. Yeah, okay, you got a post-match beat down. Great, whoop-de-doo. Um, Robert Stone, I think is somebody, I know it's not for everybody, but I think there's, he is underutilized in some ways, but it's like a weird one. I, I, I don't wish anybody to lose their job but when you look at all the the mass releases they've got it's like it's surprising given how stop start they've been with him on tv even when he had the whole robert stone brand they didn't really do much with it like mercedes martinez is with it one week um in addition to having an on-screen role so that's possible why yeah i suppose there is that it's like because the guy is a charismatic guy just this time as as robbie e and tna it's it was awesome yeah it's it's like he can irritate you so much but in an entertaining way um and you can get you can can get on side room as well so i think there's more they can do with him um and clearly what we've seen von wagner can't talk for uh for toffee so at least if that's where they're going to go with this and i imagine it is then that's a good pairing and and if i get to see more robbie e on my telly then great yeah I mean, there's a thought process here, I guess, with one element of the segment, but otherwise, to arrive at, as you say, like, Von Wagner kind of needs a transfusion of personality, mm-hmm. and he's kind of going to get one in Robert Stone, but to arrive at this, could he not just have killed someone, and Robert Stone yeah. was like, that was impressive. Not yeah. oh, the beat down after the stupid loss is impressive. Just an absolute waste of my goddamn time. An absolute waste of my goddamn time. Oh, it's like, there's loads of different ways you compare these two up. But and and like, if you wrote a list of them, the one at the very bottom. No, the one you wouldn't even write down is well, he loses by a by a sunset flip after a minute. It's like that's that's yeah. not even on the list. Why would Robbie Robert still be impressed by that? Yeah, it's absolutely. You ridiculous. got beat by a nobody after you were doing really well as well. But yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it might make sense that. Von Wagner would be more receptive to the advances of a goober like Robert Stone if like he loses a match first, but just don't do any of it. It's as simple as that. Um, 
Zion Quinn has been hunting um, Legado del Fantasma, I guess. I should have mentioned that earlier. He does it again. Um, then we get Io Shirai versus Electro Lopez. There's really nothing to this. And no. this sounds like an underhanded compliment, and it kind of is. But given that she really shouldn't be in singles matches on TV, I thought Electro Lopez was better than usual here. Though there was one like choke slam ish move, I guess, where she rattled the back mm. of Shirai's skull against the canvas. It sounded disgusting. It was a Spine buster, yes. Um, just killed her. Like, absolutely killed her. Like, and it just... Anyway, she loses. Shirai wins um, in four minutes. It's not the worst Electra Lopez match you've ever seen, but there is a, a botch that could have realistically uh, caused a concussion in it. Yeah, it, it was it was better than the street fight she had with BFAP. I guess that's as, as far as... The, yeah, that, that's the biggest compliment I can give this one. But the, the spot on EO is was a grim one, and especially, I mean, it, it would look grim if it was anybody, but especially Yoshirai, because we all know how talented she is, and it's like, don't have her on the shelf, please. And also, she's quite small, so something like that could do her proper damage. But touch wood, she's all right. The match was was better than the other outings we've seen from Electra Lopez, and then there was all, there was a rose in play from Zion Quinn and shenanigans of sorts that carries on this Phantasma story with him. Do they want to shag or not? Uh, I reckon they do. They're, they're both very attractive uh, people. I'm sure they, they, they'd love to get uh, into each other, should we say? Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> um, that's clearly how it works. They're two attractive yeah, people, yeah. of course, they must be. <laughs> yeah. Two seasoned sex havers on this podcast, of course. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move swiftly on. Um, Kamala, Carmelo Hayes agrees to the title versus title match, which was offered earlier in the night by uh, Malcolm Bivens on behalf of Roderick Strong. Um, Brian Kendrick, this is awesome, I guess, even though we know what's going to happen to him. He says he's resigned um, from his capacity as an amorphous WWE official, removes the neck brace and says he's going back into the ring to face Haaland. I think it would be a wasted opportunity if they just give him a minute in there like Harlan can get an education from Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick can get a booming ovation for a hope spot from even the most performative and tiny crowds. So I really hope that's a lot of thoughts being put into this because Kendrick coming back should be kind of an event. Um, I, I love the fact you say that. I, I mentioned it to Cleary this morning, um, we sorting through some stuff, and I was like, oh, Brian Kendrick is coming back next week and his his reaction wasn't quite as excited as yours. Uh, to, to me, it's like, obviously it's not a, a major return, but oh man, I love me some Brian Kendrick. Uh, so I, I was happy with this. I think it is going to be that inevitable because they can't help themselves. It's going to be that inevitable one minute squash, two minute squash at best. There might be one hope spot for, for poor Brian Kendrick. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I love watching that guy. He's a talented dude. He offers so much, again, working backstage as he does. But you think that obviously he's not going to go 10 minutes with Haaland because of how they're positioned in Haaland. But even if you can drag it out for four or five, maybe six minutes, just being in front of a live crowd with Brian Kendrick could do wonders for the, the young powerhouse. Yeah, absolutely. I can't agree uh, more. Kendrick rules and he could give um, Haaland an education. Obviously, he's probably doing it in the performance centre, but mm-hmm. do not take these um, a different matter entirely. And I'm just the Kendrick Mark, a greedy one at that. So I would like to see that match happen. Uh, main event time it's Peter Dunn versus Tony D'Angelo. Um, a kind of straightforward, but pretty damn good um, mm-hmm. story of technique versus power. And I don't want to undersell Tony D'Angelo, who I didn't think was entirely carried here. And I think, in fact, he leveled up quite well. 
So I do want to get it out of the way that Tony D'Angelo looked something like, he looked like a wrestler who probably should have got more to do at war games because he was yeah. distractingly, like kind of distractingly um, not busy, let's let's just say, in that uh, men's main event. But God damn it, Pete Dunne is so great. He sells the various suplexes like total death at that immaculate part of like the upper back where it looks like it's his neck. Yeah, and he rewind it, and it's not. He's just inch perfect with his timing. And there's a moment where Pete Dunne is like studying this larger guy who can just throw him around, and he knows where he's prone to attack. And he kind of looks at the rope and where best to hit it to just bounce back off it with the momentum to kick him right in the face. Like Pete Dunne was awesome in this match. Every second he seemed to to spend in it. He felt like he was strategizing. It felt like he was fighting. He's just awesome in this match, which I genuinely thought was a massive over-delivery. Um, exactly the kind of reason why you retain and, in fact, persuade um, a Pete Dunne to continue working there. Hopefully a great expense, um, because he can be the making of some of these guys. And this match, for me, anyway, was testament to that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was... I'm not saying it's his uh, his absolute masterpiece, but in terms of getting the very best of what was uh, the cards you've been dealt today. I'm not saying Tony's bad, but it was it was just he put together something for what could have been just a very generic, boring, dull, a little bit clunky sort of match. Pete Dunne got the best out of Tony D'Angelo, and I think to be fair, I think Tony, I, I think there's more to him. It's just it's easy to get carried away with a gimmick because he is so such a gimmick that it's easy to look past the fact that the guy's got this legit amateur background through college. He is a powerful dude, especially compared to some of the people in NXT where he's, he's not some six foot six giant, but he's built and he's maybe six foot two, whereas someone else might be five ten, five nine, five eight, whatever. Um, so it's easy to look past him as some big meathead who is all, uh, all sizzle, no steak. Um, right, yeah, exactly. Put some sauce on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Pete Dunn got the best out of him. I think there's, they clearly see a lot in Tony D'Angelo and I, I do too, but yeah, Pete Dunn, man, it's just, he never, no matter who he's in the ring with, he always keeps you entertained. It's, it's not all about high spots. It's more about, like you said, it's about that you see him strategizing, you see the game plan. It reminds me a little bit of, of just, I don't know when, when you first get into wrestling, like late eighties, early nineties and you'd, the matches then when it was about working a body part, but with Pete Dunn, it's like, he's working about six body parts at once. He's working out which one's best to go for at which particular time in the match. Uh, and normally it ends up revolving around the fingers by the time all said and done. Um, and, and I thought it was a, a nice post-match beatdown as well from Tony D'Angelo. Again, looked brutal, uh, some of the, some yeah. of the attacks on, on Pete Dunne. And these two work really well together, and clearly it's not going to be ending anytime soon, and I'm I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go for round two of this. Uh, again, it, it is faint praise because NXT 2.0 is remarkably competent and good and productive, a really good use of the transition um, between, they clearly want uh, the Wallers, the D'Angelo's um, to replace one day your Styles and your Duns and all the rest of it. And they are doing a pretty goddamn commendable job of doing that, at least on the evidence of this one NXT show, which like every other NXT 2.0 show was completely uneven. Um, if you agree with that assessment, um, let us know on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, whilst you're there, you can follow Andrew Pollard at yeah at Culture Left Peg. You can follow me at M Sidgwick. Again, you can follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, we have got a 
potential secret podcast dropping on your feeds, which is very, very funny. I've been reliably informed um, on Christmas Day. So if you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, maybe there'll be something left in your stocking. Who knows? But until then, enjoy whatever you celebrate. Stay safe, and we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.